Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all on this uh, rainy Sunday morning. Uh, today is an interesting day as it is our last Sunday at this location for our Sunday worship gatherings. Uh, for those of you who have been with us, you've, you've heard, uh, heard about that for a little bit now. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, uh, welcome, and uh, we won't be here next Sunday. <laughs> uh, next Sunday, we will begin meeting um, at Warren Road Elementary School, which is 311 Warren Road. Um, it's a little less than seven miles from here. Uh, and our offices are moving to 1124 Broad Street, which is uh, just a block down on the other side. So uh, there's a lot going on uh, in the life of the church that we are very excited about. Uh, God has been showing his faithfulness to us uh, every step of the way uh, through uh, challenges and hurdles and through uh, what we see as successes and opportunities. Um, So as we gather together this morning, uh, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. logistical changes and stuff, it can be uh, really exciting. It also can be overwhelming. Uh, but over the next few minutes, um, <clears throat> I want us to, to continue to um, let the Spirit work in our hearts and minds. Uh, hopefully so far, uh, God is uh, stirring you up through our worship thus far, and, and we want to focus on, on who Christ is and what He's doing, and, and in turn, who we are and, and how we are to live, uh, right? That's why we, we gather together on Sundays. So <clears throat> as you turn to Acts chapter 2, Uh, Let me pray, and we'll dive into uh, God's Word this morning. Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for a time to gather uh, with your people. God, a time to gather around uh, the proclamation of your truth uh, through your scriptures, through prayers, through confession, through uh, song and fellowship and communion. Uh, God, I thank you that you are a good, faithful Father to us. And um, God, I thank you that uh, you are doing amazing things in our lives personally, uh, that we are witnessing amazing opportunities in our midst. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, now, in this time, over the next few minutes, uh, channel our attention uh, toward you, uh, channel our affection toward you, God, that you would open our minds to understand your scripture by your Holy Spirit, and that you would open our hearts to receive the gospel, that we would walk away changed as your people, uh, God, living lives in fuller belief and fuller repentance and fuller obedience to the gospel. I God, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. <clears throat> and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship <clears throat> and the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Friends, we are a work of God. This is God's doing. How we live life together demonstrates this good news and reflects God's good character. When I say the word community, what comes to mind besides a TV show? What do you think of when I say community? How would you define community? Often in our culture today, it's easy to say community is is based around common interests or community is based around maybe sameness 
uh, maybe a hobby, maybe something that you enjoy, or maybe a common task that you have community together. But if you take a step back and look how we define community, often our, our pursuit of community and even our definition of community is really fueled by our own individualistic needs and wants. Often how we define and, and pursue community is a consumeristic pursuit of happiness, right? Like maybe you're going to join a club or some sort of uh, gathering during the week because you want to get something out of it. Uh, maybe you're part of, of some you know, social uh, gathering you know, that maybe you week, weekly meet to play a sport or uh, to read books or, or to you know, do whatever. Uh, and often, not always, but often it is coming out of a pursuit to want to get something out of it. And the second that you no longer get out of it what you hoped, you leave that community, so to speak, and you find another community to join. Maybe you'll play a sport for a while, and as soon as you don't enjoy that sport anymore, you stop playing that sport, and you go join a book club. And then you get tired of reading, so you go join a beer brewing club. And when you join that club, you won't ever join a club again, right? Because it's awesome. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) But often, not always, but often we define and pursue community based on our own personal wants and our own personal pursuits of happiness. But when we look at Scripture, when we look at the Bible, we see that that Scripture defines community a little bit differently than that. We see that community is is broader and deeper and better defined by Christ and better illustrated by the early church than merely individualistic, consumeristic pursuits of happiness. Right? You with me? Stick with me and we'll see. The Bible shows it's totally different because the gospel reveals the good news of the personal work of Jesus Christ. And the gospel defeats our idols of individualism. The gospel defeats our idols of consumerism. The gospel defeats our idols of selfish, circumstantial happiness. And in turn gives us true community with God true community with other people, true joy that is not circumstantial. This is good news. You want more? Let's look. Acts chapter 2, where we've been for the past several weeks, we see that, <clears throat> we see that Jesus had commissioned his apostles to go spread the good news. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter preaches this amazing sermon in the midst of a very religious, saturated community. It was a good community. There was a time of celebration for the Jews in the first century to gather in Jerusalem to celebrate a feast of Pentecost. And so devout people from all over came and gathered and worshiped God the best way they knew how. They had unity together. They had a community together. And Peter stands up and proclaims the good news to them about how all of their expectations from God were coming true in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so proclaiming this good news, we see a huge response Peter says, repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to their number that day about 3,000 souls. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ wrecks everything for you, and true community is birthed out of that good news. And so we look in Acts 2, 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
You see, last week we looked at the teaching, and we see that, that, that those who, who were coming to life in the gospel devoted themselves to the teaching and devoted themselves to the fellowship. You see, those two things go together. It's not that they devoted themselves to the teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers, but no, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship together. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and prayers. So the teaching is, is, is the good news of Jesus Christ that, that Peter just illustrated, pulling from the Old Testament, quoting the prophet Joel, quoting the Psalms, showing how all of the Old Testament scripture is leading up to Jesus, and how what we have as the New Testament is, is an explanation of who Jesus is and what he's done. So it's all about Jesus. Peter's sermon was all about Jesus. Scripture is all about Jesus, and, and, and the new believers devoted themselves to that teaching, but likewise, they were devoted to the fellowship. Teaching and fellowship always go together. Because teaching, the, the, the teaching of Scripture is, is how the, the personal work of Jesus is revealed by the Holy Spirit to us. We know who Jesus is and, and what he's like because of Scripture. But it's not enough just to have that teaching and be individualistically, consumeristically pursuing happiness by yourself over in a corner somewhere. Because teaching and fellowship go together. The, the revelation of Jesus comes through the teaching, but the living out of this good news comes from fellowship, community, living life with other people. In Acts 2.42, the word fellowship is, is the word koinonia in Greek, which I just like saying the word. And the word can mean fellowship or community. It can mean a commonality in participation. There's a participation that's involved with true fellowship and true community. And so when the early believers get together, they're devoted to the teaching, they're devoted to fellowship together. There's not sameness, meaning that everyone is a clone. There's great diversity, but there's unity because of Christ. There's a relational unity because of Christ. There's a relational uh, embodiment of this good news as those who are, are devoted to the teaching are seeking to live out that teaching in a relationship with other people. Now you see that true fellowship can mean community, it can mean um, partnership in the gospel. And when we are devoted to fellowship together, the word of God comes to life within us. We embody this good news and we live out and obey this good news together. And in so doing, sin and idols of our hearts are dealt with. They're exposed and dealt with. Because if you try to hide in the woods by yourself, you can hide your sin. If you try to be a loner, you can hide your idols. But the second you have a relationship with another human being who is also devoted to the teaching and also devoted to community together, you can't hide your sin for long. You can't hide your idols for long. And it is God's good news for us. It is God's doing that he brings us together, not only to reveal the good news through the teaching, but to embody the good news through fellowship. So here you are today, I don't know all of you, and I don't know uh, what stage of life or stage of faith you are in. Maybe you're here today and you've been a believer for a long time. Maybe you're a brand new Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're just wanting to explore the faith. Here's the good news. God brought you here today. He brought you here today, not only to hear the teaching of the good news of the person and work of Jesus, but he brought you here so that you would meet other people to live out this good news together so that you can look and say, look, I'm messed up, so is that guy. Let's hang out, right? Like, I have idols in my heart, and so do you. So let's, let's sit down and get to know each other and see how God's going to work this mess out in our midst. See, that's fun. 
That's good news to me. So as we look at how the fellowship, how community is fleshed out in this passage today, there's a couple characteristics of true fellowship, true gospel community that I want us to highlight today over the next few minutes. Because we see true fellowship, true gospel community is characterized by gathering, is characterized by participating, and is characterized by celebrating, right? Those three things. There's more than that, but in this passage, we're going to look at those three because once we get more than three, I just get lost in numbers, right? So we have fellowship is characterized by gathering, participating, and celebrating together. See, look at me, look at with me in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. In verse 44, it says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. You see, in gospel community, as we respond to the good news of the person and work of Jesus, there's no room for individualism. Believers have all things in common. They were together. There's unity. There's relationship. There's not sameness. There's difference. There's difference in education. There's difference in socioeconomic status. There's different in ethnic background and cultural heritage. But there's unity through the gospel. That's why we see thousands of people are gathered in the first century here. You have devout religious elite. You have uh, wacky uh, blue-collar fishermen. You have people who come from pagan backgrounds and people who come from religious backgrounds. And when they hear the gospel, there's a response to that good news. And there's thousands of people, and they're devoted to that teaching. They're devoted to the fellowship. They're devoted to community structured around the good news. Scripture tells us that they were together and had all things in common. Teacher and author Gordon Fee said that individualism is the great North American heresy. You see, friends, it is a heresy that has seeped into our Western culture. It's a heresy that drives our work ethic and drives our our community aspect because we want to get something out of it. And once we don't get out of what, what we expect, we just hop to the next thing. And friends, I submit to you, the more we study what gospel community and gospel fellowship is, even in what the church is biblically, we sitting here today are not a gathering of individuals. We're a gathering of smaller communities. If you walked in with your family today, your, your family is a community that God has structured you around. Many of you walked in here part of missional communities uh, through this church. Some of you guys live in the same neighborhood and you come here together to worship. That's a biblical portrait of, of uh, gospel community. You see, the early church was, gospel community was structured around gathering. They were together. They got together. Scripture here tells us that they got together in the temple there was huge corporate worship sessions where they would all go to the temple and they would gather in people's homes. Now, when you look at scripture here, it says three, uh, over 3,000 were saved. Now, it's impossible that 3,000 people could fit in somebody's home, right? Now, what this means is not all 3,000 were together all the time, but rather they were together in the temple and then they broke off and they had lunch after church, right? They broke off into missional communities, so to speak. They were together. They did life together. They had all things in common, because they had a common salvation experience. Many of you guys know that I'm not the most athletic guy in the world. 
but I can run, kind of. <clears throat> and when I was back in high school, I, you know, I played basketball for a little bit. And, you know, what's common in, in sports is you have to, you know, work out, you have to train, and you have to try out for a team, right? And so if you work out and, and, and do well to build your muscles and to run well and to do all that, and you develop some skills, you can try out for a team. I, I was on a basketball team for a while. It was awesome. Averaged 10 points a game. I could hit some threes like nobody's business. That's when I was 15. Yesterday, I missed every basket I tried. But see, when you are trying out for a sports team, you have to develop personal skill that has to have some sort of value on the team. And so if you don't have personal skill, you go to try out for the team, and they can say, no, you know what? You don't have what it takes to be on this team. See, the beauty of the gospel is that we don't have to work hard on our own to try to get on the team. The beauty of the gospel is Jesus has done that for us, and you're on the team, and that's good news. So it's no longer you by yourself running laps, you by yourself doing dribbling drills to try to impress the coach so that he can accept you in the team. The beauty of the gospel is that there's no individualistic isolation, but rather Jesus wins for you and brings you on the team and says, look, I know you can't run. I know you can't shoot. I know you can't dribble. I want you on my team. And that's the gospel. And that's good news for us. And the early church embodies that good news by gathering together. All who believed were together and had all things in common. This relational unity reflects the nature of our God. God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this Trinity God that we worship who exists eternally in relationship. Do we understand that even what we're doing here today that God has brought you here today to hear this good news, to experience this good news of gospel community. Do you realize that? Do we realize that we are here today as a group of believers, non-believers, sinners, and just a holy mess? But God has brought you here. God has brought us here. And that's good news. Now what do we do with this good news. I mean, if God has gathered us all here together, now what, right? Well, what are we to do to embody this gospel community? I mean, God's gathered us here. I get it, Jeremy. Now what? You see, the first characteristic of gospel fellowship, gospel community is gathering. That's something that God does, and it's something that we do as well, because God gathers his people, but also he uh, we gather together to celebrate that. So, so God gathers his people by the proclamation of the good news, and then his people gather together in the temple and in homes because as we gather together, we, we are reflecting what God has done by gathering people, right? But secondly, we see participating. Participating. Gospel community is not uh, individualistic, but it's God gathering his people. Nor is gospel community consumeristic, like let's just go get, 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 get. But it's participatory, so when you go to a church cookout, bring something, right? Don't just show up and say, hey, it's free food. Bring a bag of ice at least. Biblical. Because the second part of gospel community is not only gathering, but it's participating. Verse 44 says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, let me clarify. Having all things in common does not mean they were communist. There were, there were people who had personal possessions, but they shared their personal possessions. Like, so 
It's like saying, look, this is the neighborhood's lawnmower. No, it's not. It's my lawnmower, but you know what? You can borrow it. You can borrow it anytime you want. And when it breaks, I'll fix it, but I'll let you borrow it because I want to share. I want to have things in common with you. So participating in gospel community is, is part of what biblical fellowship is. It's not consumeristic saying, look, I'm going to stick around as long as I get something from you, but the second you ask something from me, I'm out, dude. I'm going to join the other club. It's not true biblical community. You see, fellowship, community, means having a share in something. So back to the sports analogy, right? You want to get on the basketball team, and, and so in real life, you have to audition, audition, sorry, musician background here. You have to try out for the team. You have to train for the team. You have to show your skill, and the coach can say, I do want you, or no, I don't. The gospel is, I did all the work for you. You're on the team. Now, here's the next part of gospel community. is not only are you on the team, but you get to play. You see, I spent many, many a game on the bench, right? That's what happens. You try out for a team, you get on the team, and you know what? Some other players are better than you for this particular game or this particular, uh, you know, end of the fourth quarter. So, Jeremy, you're going to be on the bench because we need this dude to get in, right? Awesome. I remember this dude named Isaac. He was an amazing basketball player. This guy named Calvin, amazing basketball player. Isaac, Calvin, Emil. These guys are guys I played basketball with. These guys were amazing. So there were times where we get toward the end of the game, and I'd hit a couple threes every now and then, but you know what? We're, we're getting to crunch time here, Jeremy, so I need you to sit on the bench. Awesome. And like four games later, coach, <laughs> can I get in? Come on. The beauty of the gospel is not only are you on the team, but you're not on the bench. You're not on the bench. Everybody has a role to play in gospel community. It just looks a little bit different. Not all of you are going to be on the stage with a guitar. Not all of you are going to be on the stage teaching or preaching. Some of you will be. Some of you have been. Lord willing, more will come uh, to light. Some of you are going to be leading through missional communities and DNA groups. Others of you are going to participate in other ways with our uh, Redemption Kids Children's Ministry or the Redemption Youth Ministry that's forming. We have uh, counseling needs and other classes that are coming. There's a participation that happens in the gospel. Because when God calls you to be on his team, he doesn't just call you to sit on the bench and wait for the game to be over, but he calls you and says, look, I have a role for you. I have a job for you. And every part, every part of the team is important. Every part. Romans 12, 5, Paul writes, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So scripture has numerous occasions where the, the church, the, the, the people of God are, are considered a family, but also the body of Christ. And every part of the body is important. The knuckle, the earlobe, every part. The eyeball, the uvula. So gospel participation and fellowship means we have all things in common, not consumeristic, but we, we share. We all see that God has brought, I mean, do you realize that God has brought you, I, I just, this blows my mind when I sit there and think about it. I meet somebody new and I'm not thinking, hey, we just so happen to be in the same room together. Nice to meet you. I'm Jeremy. I'm like cosmically thinking, God has put you in my presence today so that I could learn from you. I mean, God's going to do something in my life through you today. I met a couple people today that I've never met before. I'm, holy cow, God brought you here so that I can meet you and you can meet me. And you can meet my wife, you can meet my kids, you guys can meet each other, you girls can meet each other. It's awesome. 
I mean, if you think about that God is orchestrating this for his glory and our good, that he's gathering his people together so that we can participate in each other's lives and learn and grow and become more like Christ, we can expose sin in each other's life and idols in each other's life and apply the gospel and say, look, I just met you. Your life's a mess. Guess what? My life's a mess. Get to know each other. Let's talk about this Jesus that brought us together today. Isn't that fun? I think it's fun. I don't want to waste your time or my time today. I could preach to myself in the mirror, but I think God has brought us here together so that we could hear this good news and do something with it, right? Okay. Both of you, let's go. So gospel community means having a share in something, that that you steward the opportunities you have. Okay, we see here that, that the believers in the early church in verse 46, it said day by day, there was a rhythm of life. They were getting together day by day. They met in the temple, thousands of people worshiping God together. They met in each other's homes, having small meals together. Who's going to ha- have us over to lunch this week? Nobody. We're going to be out of town. But next week, right? I want to have you guys over. Let's grab a meal together. Day by day, that daily rhythms of getting together. They were generous with what they had. They were stewarding resources. They were stewarding their homes. They were stewarding their bread. They were stewarding their time together. Now, you have to imagine being in the first century, right? Being a first century Jew, and, and your heritage, I mean, we looked throughout the Old Testament, there were time and time again where, where, where isolation had happened and, and, and poverty and oppression. I mean, just if you just read the Old Testament, time and time again, it's like, hey, we're God's people, and now we have nothing, and we're in slavery. Okay, hey, we're God's people, we're worshiping God, and now we're in exile. And hey, we're God's people, and now the Romans have invaded our land and are taxing us 80% of what we make. That's what the first century was. The Roman Empire had spread. The first century church was in the context of of being taxed 80% at least. Can you imagine getting taxed 80% and saying, dang, I got eight bucks. But with this eight bucks, I'm going to have some people over to lunch. And we can each have a bite of this hoagie. And that's life together. But see, there was a generosity to other believers, a generosity to those who had need. There was a stewardship of time and talent and money and resources and relationship. There was health in the community of Christ in the first century. So I want to ask you this. We see that gospel community is not individualistic because it's God gathering us together. So as we gather together on Sundays and in each other's homes, we are, we are reflecting who God is and what he's done by gathering his people So the gospel defeats individualism and gives us community as gathered ones together. Secondly, we see that that the gospel defeats our our selfish um, consumerism, saying we just want to get something out of it, but says, look, we want to participate in this community we're in. So when we show up here today, we're not just wanting to get something out of it. I hope you do want to get something out of this meeting, but also let's bring back something, right? Let's participate in this good news and life together. So I want to ask us, how are we participating in gospel community? What, is, what does participation in gospel community look like for you? Do you see that you have a share in this, that there's ownership here, that God has brought you here to be part of this family? We're so glad you're here. You bring something to the table. God has done a work in you to bring you here. You have a story to share. And as we get to know you, as we get to know each other, we get to share stories and, and get encouraged with how God has worked in your life. I'll share with you how he's worked in my life. I'll share with you how he is at work in my life, even this morning. I want to hear how he's at work in your life. It's gospel community. 
This can change everything for us in this room. We change everything for our neighborhoods and where you live, where you work, where you go to school, your families. Everything will be changed if we understand the gospel community is God's doing, him bringing us together to defeat individualism, him bringing us together so that we can participate and partner together defeating our consumerism. But thirdly and finally, we see that, that the gospel fellowship, gospel community is characterized by joy. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. I love how Luke writes this in the book of Acts. He doesn't say the church got together and they did generous things. They put together some humanitarian effort to do generous things. Does he say that? No. He goes straight to the heart change, the character change. They had glad and generous hearts. I mean, that's, that's more influential than had, they had generosity programs once a week. No. They had glad and generous hearts. There were thousands of people being transformed by the good news. Why? Because God brought them together. Why? Because they were participating in gospel community together. So they were being transformed by the proclamation of the word, by the demonstration of the word, as they were living these rhythms day by day in the temple, in each other's homes. This was, you know, you have to ask this question, were they meeting together in temple in their, ho- in their homes uh, because they had glad and generous hearts? Or was it because they were meeting together, then they had glad and generous hearts? Right, do you see that? Like, could, could it be that they... Uh, we're, we're just glad and generous people, so let's go to the temple together. Let's gather together. Or what, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Holy Spirit did such an amazing thing to change their hearts to make them glad and generous people that they said, we want to meet together all the time and day by day. And, and while they were doing that, it was like watering the seeds of gladness and generosity in their hearts. I mean, it's just like they were becoming more and more joyful and more and more generous. You see, because in our culture today, in our individualistic, consumeristic culture, we alone are pursuing happiness. And when we get it, we stick around. When we don't get it, we go somewhere else. Because happiness is circumstantial. But the joy of the gospel is not circumstantial. Right? Joy goes much deeper. Joy is a transformation of the heart, the transformation of your worldview, the transformation of your character. I mean, when you're in the first century and you're getting taxed 80 to 90% and you're working on a fishing boat, I mean, imagine you're just like on a fishing boat. You're like, I catch the 100 fish and I got to give 80 to Caesar and 10 to the temple and I got 10 left. The beauty of the gospel is that circumstance does not crush your joy. Because you see the God who has saved you and gathered you and you're experiencing that joy with other people. So all of us have something we brought. We, all of us walked in here with something on our shoulders, man. Maybe work is just awful right now. Finances are tight. Maybe your family is just at a hard season. Maybe your marriage has a little conflict in it. But you know what? Don't. Those, those are circumstances. And the joy of the gospel goes deeper than that and beyond that and covers that. You don't have to walk in here with financial stress or relational stress or educational stress or vocational stress. You don't have to experience that alone. You don't have to do that individualistically. You're part of a community, man. Let's shoulder that together. You don't have to say, my circumstances stink, I'm unhappy. I know you're unhappy, but how's your joy? 
I mean, you belong to Jesus. He's brought you. He's doing something in you and through you, and you are part of this team. And when somebody's injured on the team, we don't just like kick you to the side. We want to nurse you back to health, man. We want to apply the gospel to you. Man, this stuff excites me because I can just see, I know what God's doing in our midst right now, and I can see where he's taking us as we grow from the well to redemption church. This is so cool. It is my hope and prayer that God is at work in you and and in me and in us to transform our mindset to circumstantial happiness and bring us to gospel joy so that we're not saying, well, oh, I'm not really happy about this. I want to do this generous thing, but rather, wow, I'm a glad and generous person. We together are glad and generous people. St. Augustine, in talking about joy and sin, says, seek what you seek but not where you seek it. I mean, you're saying seek joy, but not where you're seeking it. You know, sin or somewhere else. See, our greatest need is the gospel. Our greatest need is Jesus. And when he saves us, he gathers us together so that we will participate in community together so that we will have gospel joy. So that we will be transformed into glad and generous people. And this defeats our isolated individualism. This defeats our craving for consumeristic things and needs. And this defeats our circumstantial happiness that just rises and falls like the tide, man. I mean, good grief. We're all just, we just, it's how we are. We're like, yes, we're just thrilled and this stinks. You know, life is all, it sucks. You know, it's, it's how life is. It bowls you over. You get an extra bonus in the mail and that's the day your car blows up you know you're like i gotta check and there goes my car you know what i mean you're like hey i'm you know some of you guys are in dating relationships you're like man i'm dating this girl and she broke up with me you know uh some of you guys are like man work's trucking along great and then they gave this other dude the promotion and not may have been there longer but at the end of the day man you belong to jesus you're part of this team you're part of this family and that's good news right So I want to ask us, where do you seek your joy ultimately? Because even the good things in our lives can become idols when they take preeminence over Christ. Ultimately, Christ is our joy. And we experience that joy together in gospel community. So in conclusion, I'll say this. Gospel community is a noun. Fellowship is a noun. It means gathered people. It means joyful people. But also, community and fellowship can use... Uh, be used as a verb. Right? It's like we are com- communing together. We are fellowshipping together. We are participating together. So what does this look like practically for us? As a gathering of people in this room today, uh, what does it mean for us understanding theologically that God has gathered us and that God has brought us on this team to participate so that we may become glad and generous people, so we may experience joy together in Christ as his people Practically, now what? I want to say a couple things for you. And I'll, I'll post this on the city today so we can read this and pray over this. Because my hope is, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago I posted this Hopes for Redemption Church that, that we would grow in, in gospel depth, community depth, and missional depth. And so when it comes to community depth, this is what I'm, my hope and prayer is for us, is that we would grow to do, just for starters, what we know is like the one another statements in Scripture. Because you can't do one another things if you're not with another. (laughs) 
You can't say, well, I'm going to be by myself and love one another. What? I'm going to be by myself and serve one another. Well, great. <laughs> Have fun. So the one another statements in Scripture, I'll just give you a couple. I'll put this up on the city so you can see what Scripture they come from. But the love one another, or the one another statements such as love one another, fellowship with one another, forgive one another. It's really hard to forgive somebody when you're not with somebody, right? I mean, let's get to know each other so that we can wrong each other and then forgive each other. That's the coolest. Somebody just come up and slap me later so I can forgive you. No, don't. But, but what if we just, what if we did that? What if we got in each other's lives so much? And, you know, chances are, if you get to know me, I'm probably going to say something dumb or do something to hurt your feelings by accident. And what a great time for us later to say, look, man, I'm really sorry I said that. That was out of line. Will you forgive me? We can apply the gospel to that situation. Wow. That's gospel community. Love one another. Fellowship with one another. Forgive one another. Accept one another. Serve one another. Wow. We have opportunities to be involved in each other's lives. I mean, even this week, we had somebody that had an, a need for a car. We had somebody whose, whose daughter is having health issues right now. We have constantly we have new births around here. There's so many opportunities for us to serve one another. Teach one another. Here's a big one. This is my life verse for you guys to apply. Be patient with one another. Man, be patient with one another. Bear one another's burdens. Ooh, here's a big one. Pray for one another. And can you imagine what would happen if we just prayed for each other? Wow. Submit to one another. Encourage one another and build one another up. Stir up one another to love and good works. And that's just like a dozen of them right there. I'll post them on the city and you can read the scriptures and pray over them and be like, God, may we be this kind of community. It is my hope and prayer that as we transition from the well to Redemption Church, that Redemption Church would just not be the new, hip, cool Sunday gathering. I mean, that's cool. I'm hoping and praying that we'd have dozens and dozens of people come check it out. You know, be like, oh, this is really cool. Great. You know what's even better than that is if we embody the gospel in a community together. I mean, missional communities, DNA group, groups, just times for you guys to open your homes and invite people into your home is going to revolutionize this city for the gospel. I mean, we could rent out a theater or James Brown Arena and have an event, and that's well and good. But I'm telling you, if everybody in this room just said, you know what, I'm going to open my home and, and share a meal with my neighbor, holy cow, people will get saved in this city. Most of this city, I'm convinced, is not Christian. I know that the Southern Baptist Convention began four blocks from here back in 1845. Great. I still think a majority of the city has no idea who Jesus is or what the gospel is. And it's going to come not only through being devoted to the teaching, proclamation of the word, but it's going to be devoted to gospel community, fellowship, gathering together, participating in gospel mission, and experiencing joy together. So how do we do this? How do we see, how do we love one another, fellowship with one another, forgive one another? I'll say this, and then I'm done. We love one another because God is love. Scripture tells us. We fellowship with one another because God exists in fellowship with himself. God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We forgive one another just as God in Christ forgives us. We accept one another because we are accepted by God in Christ. We serve one another because Jesus himself came to serve and give his life as a ransom 
We teach one another because Jesus Christ himself is the word and wisdom incarnate. We are to be patient with one another because God's kindness and patience leads to repentance. We bear one another's burdens just as Christ Jesus bore our griefs and transgressions. We pray for one another just as Christ did for us and continues to do on our behalf. We submit to one another just as Jesus submitted to the Father for our salvation. We encourage one another and build up one another just as Jesus is the one who builds his church. And we stir up one another to love and good works. And may we obediently follow the Jesus who saved us. Are you with me? Are you with me? Imagine what would happen. I mean, imagine the impact this would have on this city if we lived out gospel community, not because it's something we can do, but it's something that, that Christ does through us. I mean, the Holy Spirit would, my hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit would do such a thing in our midst that we would embody this gospel community as those gathered, as those participating, as those with great joy. This would revolutionize the city. This would revolutionize your neighborhood, your work, your school, your family, your marriage, your friendships. This would literally change the world. This will change the world, y'all. And that's my hope and prayer. So believers, Christians here today, may we repent of individualism. May we repent of consumerism. May we repent of focusing on circumstantial happiness rather than gospel joy. And may we believe the gospel, the good news that Jesus has gathered us so that we may participate in joy. If you're a Christian, let's repent and believe the gospel. For those of you who are not Christians, it is our hope and prayer that you too would experience gospel community with God, a loving Father, and you would experience gospel community with us, imperfect, messed up children of the Lord. But man, it's fun, right? And you're not going to get any better community being part of some other thing. I don't know. Because we got the Holy Spirit, right? Boom. Boom. Um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, let's just pray that God would do that. Okay? Let's, let's pray that God would bring us to repentance and belief in the gospel for his glory and our joy and the advancement of this good news. Is that cool? That's good. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are a good and loving father who gathers your wayward children. God, that you are a faithful husband who chases down your wayward bride. And I thank you that you are a patient, kind, loving God who, who looks down at your people with compassion and with love. And God, who, who rescues us from our sin, who rescues us from the idols of our hearts, who, who transforms us to be people who are not self-serving individuals, consumers, focusing on circumstantial happiness. But God, that you transform us to be a community, a body, a family, Lord, we're imperfect, but God, may we look to you as our perfection, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, may we not look to our circumstances always, but God, in our circumstances, look to you as our rescuer, 
And may we respond in joy. God, you, I would pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would transform our minds and our hearts, that you would transform our character. God, for the men in this room, transform us to be wise, loving, generous, joyful men. God, start, start with me. As a man, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor. God, I pray that for all the men in this room. Lord, for the women in this room, I pray the same thing, God, that you would make them joyful women, seeing their value and worth in, in who you have created them and called them to be as women, as moms, as wives. Um, and God, together, as a gathering of friends, God, in this room as a church family, that we would see our identity and worth in you, Jesus, and that we would experience gospel community for your glory, for our joy, and that this city, our neighborhood, schools, workplaces, and God, indeed the world, would be changed with the good news of Jesus Christ. God, only you can do that. So God, we beg you by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring repentance and belief in your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.